Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that insight and understanding is granted. I thank you because I'm anointed to teach. And thank you because your people are anointed to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Okay, so this morning, I want to wrap up on the teachings of the gifts of the Spirit concerning spiritual gifts. So what I've done is just a brief introduction or just sharing the heart of God concerning this gift. Now, as time goes on, we're going to pick some of them and go deeper in them. Okay? Now, I also want to recommend, I have taught here on how to judge prophecies, a two-part teaching. Please get on the website and download it. That's very important. So, if you, if you don't have access to that teaching, get on the website, download it. I think I did it maybe a year or two years ago on how to judge prophecies, prophets and prophets prophets and prophecies okay so under the three the three vocal gifts which is the last of the gifts under the three vocal gifts why do we call them vocal gifts because they use the human vocal cords so these are gifts that um, use the cords the vocal gifts you have to speak them out it's vocal it's with your mouth we have three we have the gift of tongues then we have the interpretation of tongues, and then we have prophecy. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is to run a summary of all these three gifts. Now, because I believe that these three gifts are gifts that essentially need to, we need to spend time to teach them. Is that okay? So we'll just run a summary so you have a basic idea of the gifts. Okay. Now, we have three gifts there. The first one is tongues. Interpretation of tongues and prophecy. So um, the, the King James Version uses the word kinds of tongues. Uses the word kinds of tongues. Now, what is the gift of tongues? It's the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language not understood by the speaker. The gift of tongues is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language that is not understood by the speaker. Now, please listen very carefully. I want you to pay attention to this because in the scriptures, you find two kinds of tongues. You find two kinds of tongues, but a lot of people don't pay attention to it, especially the tongue that happened in Acts chapter 2. A lot of people don't pay attention to it. A lot of people feel that the tongues of Acts chapter 2 has to do with um, speaking in tongues um, um, in mysteries, but that's really not what happened. Okay, but we'll get there. Now, um, that the gift of tongues is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language not understood by the speaker. So this person is speaking in a language, he himself does not understand it in his natural mind. Okay, why the gift of the interpretation of tongues is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language understood by the speaker the meaning of words previously spoken in an unknown tongue. So, I'll come back with that again. The gift of interpretation of tongues is 
the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a known language, all right, to be able to interpret in a known language the tongues that have previously been spoken. Now, one of the key things you need to understand about the gift of the interpretation of tongues is this, and very simple. It is not the translation of tongues. It is the interpretation of tongues. So what that just means, I'm jumping ahead of myself, so I'm just going to go here and there because I want to summarize everything. What that means is, for instance, someone can speak in tongues for one, let's say one hour. The interpretation doesn't have to be one hour. Because you're not translating it word for word. What you're doing is giving interpretation to that tongue. So the interpretation can be 10 minutes. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So you are interpreting what that person has just spoken. Then what is prophecy? The, the prophecy is the ability um, given by the Holy Spirit to speak words from the Spirit or utterance. The word prophecy actually means, let's start with prophecy now. Let's, let's go in details with prophecy. The word prophecy actually means to bubble forth. To bubble forth. The Greek word to bubble forth is like you are so full of the word of God and it pours forth. Alright? Now, prophecy is like the basic gift that I believe that almost every believer possess. The reason being that, let's go to Acts chapter... Uh, where do we start from now? Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. Let's see that. Acts chapter 2, and uh, verse 17. It says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall do what? Shall do what? Shall prophesy. How many of your sons and daughters? All of them. Are you following this? Okay. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall do what? Shall dream dreams. And on my maid servant and on my maid, men servant and maid servant, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now let's go to Acts 21, verse 8. Acts 21, verse 8 to 9. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So you see that all of Philip, uh, all of Philip's daughters prophesied. Four of them. Now, prophecy is that, now you don't, if, as a child of God, actually some of you find, if you spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Spirit, you find out that when you pray to a point, words will begin to come forth from you. Words will begin to bubble forth from your spirit. You begin to speak either words about that situation or speak words concerning your future. That is prophecy. That is prophecy. Okay? Now, one of the um, translations also, the Hebrew word for prophecy means to bubble forth, but the Greek word means to speak for another, to speak for another person. And what that actually means is that the Holy Spirit is using your vocal cords to declare God's intention for you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, 
The fact that you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. And we must be clear about that. Go to Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 23. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22 to 23. Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 23. Praise God. And see now, I go, and see, now I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations are with me. So what was happening right here was that Paul was saying and declaring that, listen, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But in every city I've been going to, the Holy Spirit has been testifying or have been using believers to speak to me or to prophesy to me that chains and tribulation await me. You know, the, the challenge we have today, especially within the Christian faith, is we have just taken just a very minute, inconsequential part of prophecy and made it the the totality of the gifts so what does that mean you go and somebody's always telling you what's wrong with you this is what's happening to you this is the source of your problem and so the rest of us just sit back and say listen i'm waiting for somebody to see something for me that's that's not that's not the way the child of god should behave praise god you can find right here that the prophecy that was coming to Paul, what was the prophecy coming to Paul? He said, listen, every city you're going to go, you're going to suffer. That's, I mean, that's it. Look at it now. It says, except the Holy Spirit testify in every city, saying that chains, there's no Greek word for chains, it's chains. That's what it means. It says chains and tribulations await me. Now, why do you think that God will give this prophecy to Paul? To strengthen his heart. Praise God. Are you still here? Imagine you come to church this morning and you're, you're called to be a minister. And I call you and I say, well, this is what the Lord is telling me. He says, every city you go, chains and tribulations await you in every city. I mean, how many of you think that's, that's from God? Like, no. If God sends me, he can't put chains there. You are going to have chains. That's why the child of God never judges his circumstances by what he's going through. You know, sometimes we always feel that when something is wrong, we, it's because we've done something wrong. No. 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 <laughs> now, let's see what happened. Go to Acts 21. I like this. Acts 21. The only thing is that we need to be close to the Lord. We need to be close to the Lord so that the Lord will begin to speak to us. Right? The Lord will begin to speak to us about things to come. Now, you remember the case of Paul. When the Lord spoke this to him, and then he went into, um, he, was, he was traveling and met Agabus, what happened to him? Agabus now told him, that let's read verse verse 24 go back to acts 20 please and verse 24 thank you lord jesus are you there acts chapter what 
20 and verse 24. I want you to see Paul's response here. Look at Paul's response. He says, but none of these things move me. Can you see that? He says, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dead to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Imagine that you are being prophesied to that you are going to have chains await you in a particular city. And then you are saying also that that doesn't move you. It shows that Paul had already a witness in his spirit about the things he's going to go through. Do you remember when God called him? God told him that I'm going to show you the things you will suffer for my namesake. So that had solidified the heart of Paul. So, and I'm bringing this example for something. People might prophesy things to you that are right, but when you know divine purpose, you don't need to be moved by them. Why? Because people can actually get it wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, it says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life there to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It, says, I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. Now, I like Paul's response. Go to Acts. Are you, go to Acts chapter 21 now. Verse 10. Acts 21 verse 10. And as we stayed there many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Verse 12, now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. What a commitment to the gospel. The prophet came. And if you go to Acts chapter 11 verse 28, you realize that prophet Agabus had, had actually prophesied the famine that was to come. What, what this means is that he was not just a mean prophet. He was a prophet that was respected. But he came and said, listen, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bound you. And Paul did not say, ah, thank God. Thank God Jesus has revealed it. Ah, thank you, Lord. No, he didn't do that. He says, listen, that's not an issue. I'm even ready to die. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes, even when prophecy comes, they are not to stop you from executing divine will. That is why you must know God's will for your life. Praise God. Are you still here? You must know what does God want. I remember I've been in meetings where accurate people came to me spoke over my life i mean i remember two instances one someone came and told me it was time to leave my dad and you know when he finished i thanked him but that was it i didn't even pray about it i didn't consider it because i know 
what God has spoken to me from the first day I got into the ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, when you understand those divine purpose, it keeps you even when you hear prophecies sometimes that affirm things that are going to happen, but you're not moved. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Now, the Bible tells us, now, it also happened to Kennedy Hagin. When Kennedy Hagin was leaving uh, pastoring to go into full-time traveling ministry, a lot of people then were using tents. It was the, the days of tent revival. And a lot of people came to Kennedy Hagin and prophesied over him that the Lord was asking him to buy bigger tents, to do tents. And the Lord never said that to, to Barry Hagin. And he never did that. He stayed with pastoring and traveling as the Lord you know, guided him. So what I'm trying to say is that it's not every prophetic word that comes over your life that you need to act on. That's why I want you to take the, the message I taught on how to judge prophecies. Let's go to Second Thessalonians. Sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Am I right? Oh, yeah, I'm right. My tab is wrong. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Okay. Do not quench the spirit. What does it mean? Do not quench the spirit. Do not, do not put it off. Now, and, and I think it's something, especially as a local church, we need to also work in and improve. You can create an atmosphere where the gifts of the spirit can flow. And you can also create an atmosphere that can quench the gifts of the spirit. You know, sometimes when we are too cold, you, you, you find it difficult to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Because then, it takes a level of faith and confidence to start working in the gifts of the Spirit, right? Imagine I want to speak a prophetic word that everybody's looking at me like, hmm, let's see if you'll get it right. Let's see. The tendency of getting it wrong is <laughs> going to be there. All right. But then, if we build our faith... If we exercise our faith together, like we're talking about activating on Wednesday, and we create an atmosphere and say, Lord, we just want these gifts to move in our midst. We just want to move in the gifts of the Spirit. When people know that even if they get it wrong, somebody's not going to look at them like, man, can you imagine? Wrong prophecy. Right. Now, <laughs> don't quench the Spirit. Even in your own life, don't quench the Spirit. I just want to say this. This is a bit of a diversion, but I pray it will help us. You must also recognize how the Lord speaks to you. You must recognize how the Lord speaks to you. Every one of us here, the Lord, if we're born again and we have the Spirit of God in us, the Lord speaks to us. But most times we don't pay attention. For, for instance, as an individual, the way the Lord speaks to me most times is through the inward witness. I have an impression. And then if I act on it, I find out it's the will of God. The last resort God uses speaking to me is dreams. That's the last one. By the time the Lord speaks to me in dream, it just means that I've not been quiet enough to hear him in my spirit. I don't, I dream, but most of my dreams are just continuation of my life. Either I'm, I'm preaching, I'm planting churches in my dream, and those ones are just normal. Just my daily life just continues like that until I wake up the next morning. But when I have specific dreams, now, it might not happen immediately, but Two, three months down the line, bam, it happens. I just, it just happens. Now, if I'm able to interpret the dream correctly, I can stop it. But if I'm not able to interpret the dream correctly, then the events play out. Then I find out, oh, wow, this is what God was trying to say. So I know when I have some significant dreams, 
I know that, oh, this is something I need to pay attention to. And for me, that's like the last resort. That's like, that's like God shaking me up and say, hey, guy, pay attention to this. All right? So for some of you, you need to know how God speaks to you. My dad, God speaks to him a lot through scriptures. So God gives him a verse, you know, or a Bible portion, you know, and that's the primary method God speaks to him. Now, every one of us, God will definitely have a way he speaks to us within the context of scriptures. And that's very important. Now, you need to be able to pay attention to that. That's very, very, very crucial. So, it says, do not quench the spirit. So, don't shut down the voice of the spirit in you. Verse 20. Verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Verse 21. Test all things. Then hold fast to what is good. So even though prophecies come, you have to test them. A lot of people have been misled by prophecies. So it's not every time prophecy comes that you have to just take it hook, line, and sinker. No, you don't have to do that. All right? Now, sometimes you don't even have to be a prophet before you prophesy. If you look at Jude verse 14 and 15, Jude 14 and 15, the Bible talks about Enoch. He said Enoch prophesied about the coming of Christ. Now, we, we know that Enoch was not a prophet in that sense, but Enoch spoke words about the coming of Christ. All right? Jude, Jude 20, um, sorry, Jude 14 and 15. Jude is just one, one chapter. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with thanks 10,000 of his saints. So Enoch prophesied. He made this statement. He spoke these words. So prophecy can come in form of words. They can be predictive words. You can be praying over your life and you speak words. That's prophecy. Praise the name of the Lord. Now go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I'll show you something there. John chapter 11 verse 49. Caiaphas, the high priest. And one of them, Caiaphas, being a high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say in, on his own authority, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. So, they were about to crucify Jesus, and Caiaphas comes and says, Hey, don't you know that one person will die for the whole nation? The Bible says he did not know what he was saying. He didn't say that of his own authority. He says because he was the high priest that year, God used him to prophesy about the death of Jesus. So, you understand that prophecy is not, you have to say, Ah, toss here the Lord, toss here the Lord, toss here the Lord. No, no, no. When you speak some words that bubble out of your inner man, they are prophecies, even though you did not say, Toss here the Lord. Are, are you following this now? Come on, are you following this? You know, because sometimes we have, we've got this example, people want to prophesy, and so can I prophesy? Can I prophesy? Anybody's ready. Or you are doing and then you say, toss here the Lord, toss here the Lord. No, we always use toss here the Lord because we were, we were raised with King James. And sometimes you don't have to prophesy using Bible language. Just speak your normal language. You know, because when some people want to prophesy, now then they now switch, switch to King James. It says, toss here the Lord. No, 
see, you're used to saying, thus hear the Lord, because that's what you read in the Bible. But this guy did not say, thus hear the Lord. He just said words. And then the Bible says he did not speak those words of his own authority, not knowing that he was prophesying about the death of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Re Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. So the prophecy, the spirit of prophecy must testify of Jesus. What that means is that it must stay within the boundaries of the word of God. Okay? Now, if you go back home, you want to study more on this, go back home, study Jeremiah 26, 27, 28. You will see the prophecy of Jeremiah and the prophecy of a man called Hananiah. And they gave, Jeremiah gave an accurate prophecy because it had to do with the bondage of the children of Israel. And Hananiah came and said, no, God is going to be good to you. God is going to do this to you. And what happened is the people followed him without testing if that was what God actually wanted. So, in that place, you'll find the difference between false prophets and true prophets. The thing about false prophets and true prophets, it doesn't have to be how nice the words are. It is about, is God asking them to say that? Praise God. Because I realize this, right? Most people, for instance, if you see someone who is very zealous for the things of God, and you are speaking words over them, the tendency for you to prophesy over them that God has called them to ministry is high. I know... Most of you sitting here, you would have had prophecies many times where people said to you that you've called the call to ministry. Okay? I mean, I know. Sometimes when they just see the way you are dressed and see your position, see the way you are receiving the word, they just feel you are called. Now, the reason why I also don't prophesy that way a lot is because of my understanding. I know that you cannot put a man in ministry. So sometimes the understanding of a man in question limits the way he prophesies because prophecy has to do with the spirit of God and your human mind. Okay? Maybe on Wednesday I'll talk a little bit about that. Prophecy has to do a bit with your, the spirit of God and your human mind. So you must be matured in your spirit to be able to know, okay, this is the spirit of God. This is, this is my mind now. And most times where we make mistakes when we prophesy over people is we, we, we want to try and give meaning to the words. Uh, is Gideon in church? No. Okay. I remember I went to Kenya. I was trying to remember what happened. Uh, I was trying to remember exactly. Okay. I remember when, when we went to Kenya, I was ministering the gifts of the Spirit and prophesying over people. So I called a girl up and uh, I'm trying to remember the exact phrase I said. Okay. Yeah. I remember now. So I was praying over people, just laying hands on people, and I laid hands on her, and I heard in my spirit, it will be well, it will be settled, and there will be no cause for alarm. Now, I didn't know what was going on with her. So I, I spoke, I just spoke those words, I prayed over her, and then she went under the power of God. And then I gave a word of knowledge to a couple of people. So um, I was teaching a bit on the Holy Spirit, so I just called people who needed to just confirm the words I spoke. And then she said that they were having a, a lot of family crisis, she herself and her parents. And then she told God, you know, in that meeting, that she just wanted God to reaffirm to her that everything is going to be well and everything is going to be fine and there will be no issues. And those are the exact phrases that I used over her. Now, this is where the mistake is. You know, sometimes when the Lord gives us those exact phrases, after saying the exact phrase, then we want to go further. Do you understand? Then you want to, you want to try, you don't need to. 
are, are you following what I'm saying? You don't need to. And sometimes be honest with yourself. So I give an example between when I was getting married to my wife. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't pray. Like, you know, I want to marry, let me go and pray. Because this is where people miss the Lord. Prophecies when it comes to marriage, birth, and death. We were serving, you know, youth service. I saw one or two characteristics. I said, okay, fine. I mean, for me, the best thing was, the, I mean, the, the one thing that attracted me to my wife is just her calmness. I don't like, I, I, I don't like too much drama, you know. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm an aggressive person because of the church planting, because of leading and everything. I'm always going out. So I also want somebody that when you are preaching in Kaduna, I say, ah, you know what? The Spirit of God just sent me to, at the end of the day, you realize that our children are just home. Nobody is there. So, I mean, that was the primary factor. Just come, take our life easy and all that. So when I spoke with her, she said, oh, have I prayed? I said, well, see, this, I've not prayed in that sense, but one, two, three, four, five, six is enough reason. Then she said she was going to pray. I said, well, go pray. And then she prayed, and the Lord gave her a scripture. Now, in that case, you need to be honest. If you didn't hear anything from God, don't try to force it. Because then you get into lying spirits. Be honest to say, listen, I've prayed about this thing, and I don't hear Jack. Nothing. So let's go ahead. You know, if, I mean, then give the other person the liberty to pray. Don't try to force dreams. Did I dream about her? That period, I dreamt a lot about her, but I know those dreams were from my heart. It was not God speaking. Because immediately you like someone, they start appearing in your dream. How many of you realize? That's why you can't sleep. When the person meets you and says, without you, I can't sleep. It's because you're disturbing them in the dream. That's exactly why they can't sleep. It's not a product of love. It's just anybody you... Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It will now be foolish for me to say, God showed me in the dream. No, God didn't show me in the dream. My heart showed me. That is why you must also be careful of the things you dream about and interpret them as God speaking. You see, anything you want to do, your mind can give it back to you as if it is the Lord saying, even if you want to leave this church today, this message will make you leave. See, I, I, I just sense it when he was saying, he said, my time is up. You see, just tell us that you want to leave. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You must be very careful. And please, if you can, get Pastor Banky's book, Unguided by the Spirit. It's very, very important. Because sometimes the idols of our hearts form prophetic words. And that is where maturity comes. Some things just tell God, Lord, if you tell me no, if you tell me yes, I will take your word for an answer. Whatever you want. Don't come into the presence of God and say, this is what I want. Balaam and Balak. How many of you remember that? Balaam went and says, hey, come on. Don't go and curse those people. Just leave them. The guy came to God again. Ah, God. Ah. Tell me your real mind. <laughs> you know the point? God allowed him to go. Are you following what I'm saying? If you ask him then, he will say, it was God that sent me. Let me give you an example. Paul. He wanted to go to Bidna to preach. He went to Bidna. The Holy Spirit resisted him. He wanted to go here. The Holy Spirit resisted him. And then in the night vision, the Lord, a man from Macedonia said, come. What happened? Preaching is not a good thing. Uh, sorry, preaching is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But the Lord did not want him to go to that city. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes your desire to preach, you can say, ah, we need to, we need to. And before you know, you are just hearing Abuja, 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 Abuja. Go to Abuja, go to Abuja. And what is calling you in Abuja is not the will of God. It is senators. 
Are you, I'm not saying anybody in Abuja. That's why they went. I don't know if you understand. So why I'm emphasizing this is this. Most times, you might be the one who ends up prophesying over yourself the most. When we go into the gift of tongues, I'll tell you. Most times, as you are praying, words will begin to come forth. You begin to speak words. Those words, you need to make sure they are coming from the heart of God for you. And then sometimes, the Holy Spirit can use a prophetic word to give you direction. So let me give you a typical example. I believe most of you were here when it happened. Now, typically, I'm a church planter. And, I mean, we, we like growing churches and all that. But I just like to plant new churches. I don't mind planting new churches. And in my mind, when we're coming to start this work, I just told myself, four or five years, I should go somewhere else to plant the church. I'm the church over. I, go start. I like the missions flow. I just like to start new stuff. And I remember that was the fourth year or the fifth year. Fourth year? Fourth year. Because my mind was, okay, when it gets to the fifth year, then I was already telling my dad, I need to plan a new work. And I remember when Franz came. Now, if you listen to the prophecy that Franz gave the Sunday before he was to leave, one of the things he said in that prophecy is that just as you came, when it's time for you to leave, you will not need to plan it. You will not need to strategize it. And he talked about the Lord lifting us and all that. And in that prophecy was a word of direction. So some prophecies can come as a word of direction. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Because sometimes prophetic words come because of your thoughts. So you're thinking about something, you're confused about something. You might be listening to a message on TV and God just brings you in that spot. You just hear that word, it answers you. You just know, okay, God is speaking to me. Now, the, th the truth of the matter is that many people seated that they did not know how far that prophetic word went in settling our hearts. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, again, if you want to speak prophetic words over people, sometimes you say words that don't make meaning to you. They are not supposed to make meaning to you. They are to make meaning to the people. So sometimes you just give them a word and say, listen, if this means anything to you, take it. But if it doesn't, just leave it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Say amen if you're here. Alright. Now, true prophecy never condemns. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and for comfort. That is very important. Prophecy is for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. We're going to read a lengthy reading, but I just want to... So, I think that's that for prophecy. Prophecy can come, on, uh, come for you when hands are laid on you. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. 1 Timothy 4.14. We're going to read a lengthy reading of the passage and just summarize it. But I'm going to spend time to build on this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. So people can lay hands on you and then prophetic words can come over you. Praise God. All right. So, most times also in your seasons of prayer, if you pray very deep into the spirit, you feel words begin to bubble out. I want to talk about that now because I'm going into tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are also prophetic words. Those are also prophetic words, prophetic phrases that come out in your heart. Now, let's go to tongues. The word tongues is from the Greek word glossar. Glossar, um, 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 glossar means language or tongues, languages. So you find out the, 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 the King James Version, we're going to read the scripture, but I just want to talk about it. We find out the King James Version uses the word kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues. 
Alright? Now, tongues was prophesied in the Old Testament by Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11. Isaiah referred to it as a stammering tongue. Uh, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people, to these people. Stammering lips. Stammering lips. With stammering lips and with another tongue, he will speak to these people. Isaiah prophesied about tongues. This was confirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 21. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to these people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me. So Paul confirms, because he was writing about tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, so Paul confirms that the prophecy of Isaiah was actually talking about speaking in tongues. That's why sometimes you feel like when people are praying in the spirit, it almost looks as if they are stammering. In Mark chapter 16 verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. One of the signs of the believer is that he shall speak with what? He will speak with what? New tongues. Everybody say new tongues. Why is it new tongues? It's because it's not a tongue you have learned before. It's not a tongue. We're going to spend a couple of Sundays to teach on tongues because I know especially most of us who came from the Orthodox background, Presbyterian background, uh, Catholic background and the rest, uh, it, if Pentecostals, it's a bit easy because, I mean, you grew up with tongues, your, your, father, your father speaks in tongues, your mother speaks in tongues, and, you know, sometimes I hear my daughter speak in tongues, and I, I, I know it's because she's heard us. You know, it's just, as it, as it were, uh, it's, a, it's a tongue, it's a language, all right? So, generally, your children will grow up mimicking you, right? Until they actually now get filled with the Holy Ghost. You, do you understand it? Now, in the natural, I can explain it like this. It's like your children mimicking your language, attempting to speak your language until they get matured and actually know the meaning of what they are saying. Right? I know most of us speak English to our children, but how many of us speak uh, native la language? Now, if you speak your native language, you realize that your children will mimic you. They don't even know what they are saying, but they will mimic you. But when they get to a certain age, what happens? They now understand the meaning of what they say. It's the same thing. If you pray in tongues a lot, you find your children, you know, mimicking you. Okay? And then at a point, they actually now get filled with the Holy Spirit and then start praying in tongues. Okay. So, um, Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, varieties of tongues or kinds of tongues. It's like when you have different genres of music. You have rap, you have hip-hop, you have these. They are all music, but they are different kinds. It's the same way with tongues. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. They are different kinds of tongues. Okay, diverse kinds of tongues. Now, and God has appointed this in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration. Varieties of tongues. Varieties of tongues. So there are varieties of tongues or different kinds of tongues. What are the three different purposes, uh, the five different purposes of tongues now? Number one, tongue is, tongues can be a sign to the unbeliever. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 22. Tongues can be a sign to the unbeliever. Okay? It can also be used as a means of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14.2. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 14 where we're ending up. 
Okay, but it's a sign to the unbeliever. Now, this is actually what you find in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read it, but let's finish this. A sign to the unbeliever. It can be a means of prayer. It's a channel through which messages can be given to the believer. You find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5 to 6. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 to 6. Then number four, it's a means of spiritual edification. It's a means of spiritual edification. Jude chapter 20, Jude 20, building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20, then also 1 Corinthians 14, 14. So we have the three, the four um, purposes of tongue. Number one, a sign to the unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. A means of prayer, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Uh, a channel through which messages can be passed to the believer, 1 Corinthians 14, 5 to 6. And then it's a means of spiritual edification, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul deals extensively with the vocal gift of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. So we're going to read that, but let's, let me summarize all of this verse. Are you with me? Say amen if you're here. Okay, now you must understand, I've talked about the purposes of tongue. Now, I want to talk about the kinds of tongue. There are two major kinds of tongues. Number one, there is the tongue that is the human language. Now, this is where people also miss Acts chapter 2. There's a tongue that, is, that comes in form of a human language. Um, Acts chapter 2. Now, when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, let's quickly read from verse 5, quickly. To verse 13. Acts chapter 2, verse 5 to 13. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused. Look at this, look at this, look at this next line. Because everyone heard them speak what? In his what? Own language. So, the tongues of Acts chapter 2 was not as it were um, tongues of spiritual edification. It was God supernaturally granting them to speak in the languages of the people that were gathered. So, while they were speaking in tongues, to the apostles, they were speaking in tongues, but actually, they were speaking in the languages of those people. Let's read on. Look at this. Then they were, okay, and when the sound occurred, verse 6, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elementites and all of those wonderful people. Verse 11, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? So do you realize what happened in the Pentecost? When the Holy Ghost came, he gave them tongues. And as they began to speak in tongues, actually, it was the native language of all these people mentioned. So the, the apostles were praying in tongues, but they were hearing in their own languages. So this is actually one of the kind of tongues. I know it has happened uh, in, if you read um, some past revivals, it has happened in the life of some, um, I, I think Howard Carter, one of the pioneers of the Pentecostal movement. 
It happened in his life. He went to a place. He didn't understand their language. And then he started praying in the spirit. And before he knew, he was speaking in tongues. And he was actually preaching fluently in that language. You see, the truth of the matter is that some of these gifts, you will never see them manifest until you start focusing on kingdom initiatives. Praise the name of the Lord. And so, it, 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 that's one of the tongues. The ability to pray in the spirit and speak in. And sometimes also, when you pray in tongues, um, well, I know that it's, it's also a challenge. Because I've observed this, especially with also people who attend large de- denominations. I don't want to mention names of very prominent ministers. When you hear them pray in tongues, you see their tongues is like the tongues of their general overseer. So I've heard that sometimes I walk into an assembly and people are praying in tongues. I know this is the tongue, this is where this person attends because he's trying to speak in tongues like his spiritual father. There's a bit of an issue with that because actually it's a language that the Lord gives you uniquely. And then if you pray in tongues consistently, you find that at certain times you're praying in tongues consistently. It's not just a repetition of one syllable. You are actually speaking a language. Now you might even not know the language you're speaking. Okay? Now, my dad doesn't speak Alsa. He doesn't. Okay? But if he, I mean, there's old Pentecostal word of hitting the gosha. You know that point where you pray to, you know that, yes, this is it. You are in that realm. When he prays to that and he starts speaking in tongues, his tongues comes out as Alsa. I don't know the meaning of what, but it comes out that way. It's not a language he has learned. But most probably, if you have an outside person, he might be able to give you the interpretation of whatever he's saying. So sometimes it happens that way. That's a kind of tongue. The second kind of tongue is a spiritual language, which is the one that is not, no earthly person can say this language. Remember what those guys said in Acts chapter 2. He said, we hear them in the language that we were born. Like, it's like saying, this is my village language be spoken. Okay, but that has to be a supernatural ability. Now, the other kind of tongues is the one for spiritual edification, which is what we speak, you know, normally in our prayer language and all that. Now, the truth of the matter is that if you pray in tongues extensively, you develop your spiritual gift. Kenneth Hagin said this. He says, I found in my own life over a period of not more than 60 years of ministry that the more I speak in tongues, the more I pray, the more the gifts of the spirit manifest in my life. John G. Lake said this, the making of my ministry is praying in tongues. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. Believers must learn to pray in the spirit. You must learn it. It enhances the workings and the dimensions of the gifts of the spirit in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Now quickly, let's go to interpretation of tongues. Are you following this? All right. Interpretation of tongues. The word interpretation is hemenea in the Greek. It means to interpret, to explain, and to expound. It is, it is to expound a message given in tongues. The one person I know, I, I, I remember in our youth group, way back when I was in, sec, uh, yeah, I was still in secondary school, but then I was, I was a youth pastor. Just in SS2, I was a youth pastor. And then I spent, I used to hold some meetings, just purely Holy Ghost meetings called Fresh Fire and His Presence. And it just used to be like revival meetings, just crying out, praying in the spirit and all that. And I remember very vividly, yeah, Pastor Nos, were you in the meeting that day? That I, okay, yeah, Pastor Nos was there. I'm sure maybe it would be like just something. But there was a particular, I had an understand youth pastor, his name was Ike. And um, we were, 
we, we really needed to see the manifestation of this gift and all that. So we spent time praying and all that, teaching the gifts of the Spirit. So I started praying in the Holy Ghost, and I laid hands on Ike, and Ike started speaking in tongues. Like, like started interpreting the tongues where speak, that I was speaking. It was very clear, it was very precise. I think in my life, that's one of the days we've had the most dramatic manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I've got one of our cousins living with us. <laughs> She's so particular about her hair, particular. I mean, she can put her whole body in the ring, but nothing should touch her hair. And I was teaching like this. She was sitting there. And bam, as I started teaching, she just fell under the power of God. Amen. Boom. All her hair was messed up. You know, at the end of the day, the, the, the words I got at home, that everybody, they use their power to do good things. You all need to scatter people's hair. Because, I mean, that day she rolled on the floor. My brother was playing the keyboard. And my brother literally flew from where the keyboard was to the end of the church. Literally end of the church but this was the miracle the keyboard kept on playing we kept on hearing the sounds all through the meeting there's a guy Ike too had was it Ike or Rapachuku either of them I think it was Rapachuku he had cotton board in his ears uh, for they've been trying to remove it he got in they've been trying to remove it he had it for almost like a month the cutting board came out and then he brought I mean that day I'm not sure I've seen such dramatic manifestation of the spirit in my life. I'm not sure I've seen it. But, I mean, sometimes I look back and I ask myself, what is it? It's about the hunger. It's about the hunger. If we're too satisfied, we'll never see these things. It's about, and if we don't create that atmosphere, we were young people, we just wanted God. You know, by, by the time we get older, you know, just want to, you know, behave yourself, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of these children, we start getting stiff. And even though you feel like speaking in tongues, oh, I just exhort you. Just, you know, and I mean, we laugh about it, but actually we deny ourselves the very power that God has placed in us. And, if, and I, I mean, I, I know I'm saying this, but the truth of the matter is that if we check all our lives here, most of you will know that on campuses, you had dramatic manifestations of the Spirit. Everybody will testify. Now listen, campus meetings, you know why? There were no cares of the world. You were just hungry for God and you wanted to graduate. Do you understand? No wife, no husband, no shutdown. <laughs> no trying to, you know, it was just, and that's the thing. If you want more of it now, you need to cut down some things. You can't have this and have this. You can't have the power of God and you're on social media every day. It won't work. You just have enough of the power to sustain you. But if you really want to see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, remember in those youth meetings, we would just go there and pray for hours. Right? Just pray. We just wanted God. But now, it's 9.54. I hope he's rounding up. I hope he's rounding up. I hope he's rounding up. We're so conscious. Once you're praying, you're looking at your time. Oh, I need to go to work. There's no time for the things of the Spirit. We cannot manifest the glory of God if we don't spend time with God. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So if we want more of that, we have to stay there. There's something Kenneth Hagin said, and that's why I started doing healing meetings. You know what he said? He said there's a move of the Spirit of God that will be lost to a generation if he's not taught to it. Yeah, that's what Hagin said before he died. He says there's a move of God that will be lost to a generation if they are not taught into it. We have to teach how people can walk in the gifts of the Spirit. This is not just for one superstar pastor. It is for every one of us. So the interpretation of tongues is not the translation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 30, Paul says, do all interpret. Interpretation of tongues is not a translation of tongues. So it is not word for word. So you can speak 
a large volume of tongues and interpretation is small, or you can speak small volume of tongues and interpretation is what is large. Do all do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So not everybody actually have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Two, two, um, a couple that I see that manifests this gift very strongly is a couple by the name of Mark and Trina Hakins, Mark Hakins' wife. And most times before the minister, Mark speaks in tongues and then the wife interprets. They just flow in that kind of synergy. And I also know a meeting that Kenneth Hagin and Casey Price had way back. Kenneth Hagin and Casey Price, way, 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 way back. Kenneth Hagin was preaching and he got to a point he was stuck. He could no longer preach in English. He was, speaking in, he was preaching in tongues. He was speaking in tongues and preaching in tongues. And then Casey Price got up and was giving the interpretation and the message was just flowing exactly where Brother Hagin left off. You see, I, I don't believe, I mean, this is my heart really. I don't believe that God wants us to keep using these men as, a, as an example. The, because, you know why? Because the Bible says that in every generation, he shows himself strong. He does not leave himself without a witness. I just believe that why we are seeing less of the manifestations of the Holy Ghost in our meetings. Number one, I'll say this now. Why are we seeing less of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in our meeting? Number one, we have conditioned ourselves not to be open to the gifts of the Spirit. Because where the gifts of the Spirit manifest, sometimes it can be messy. I remember, oh, Gideon was not in church. Gideon is not in church. I remember in Kenya, I was ministering to people. It was a Holy Ghost meeting. I taught them on the power of the Holy Spirit. I was ministering to people, laying hands on people. People were going under the power of God and all that and all that and all that. And I got to a particular group of people. And they were all standing like this. You know, like, we will not fall. <laughs> so I had to come back to the pulpit and explain to them. I mean, this thing about falling, it's not something, you know, it's not like, I can pray for you. Without, it's not something we originate. It's not a sign. You know, I had to explain that for them because they were not open. Now, what I realized, we still have the video. You can go on YouTube and maybe Google. I'm sure it will be there. What I realized is that in the areas that people were more open to the spirit, what happened? They had so much manifestations, and in those areas, they had little manifestations. So you see, for instance, because I'm, I'm primarily a teacher, right? I'm primarily a teacher. Now, I spend a lot of time teaching. It's very intellectual. It's very point after these, expounding scripture, exegeting scripture. The tendency sometimes of having the manifestations of the Holy Ghost like that can be a bit rare. Now, the only time you can have it very strong is if we're doing meetings like this or we're teaching meetings like this or we're praying and spending time in the things of the spirit but another reason we don't see so much manifestation of the holy ghost is because we're not giving time to the person of the holy spirit so for instance if i say oh let's spend time to pray right now let's pray for two hours and you're praying and praying after 20 minutes you see people holding chair like this after one hour they'll just sit down you will even get even if you are the holy spirit will you come <laughs> if you have to come do you understand? So we don't, we're, we're, we're tired. The things of the spirit almost put us off. We're just, you know, we're so much in a hurry. There are a lot of things. And that is, and, and, then, and then another thing that, the third thing that makes the manifestation of the Holy Ghost move is the expectation. Is the expectation. So I'll tell you this, right? I'll tell you this. I mean, it's, I'll tell you this. For everybody who has traveled with me, everybody who has traveled with me, we've had more manifestations of the spirit in outside meetings and in the local church. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. I remember the first time, myself and Wally, when we went to Kenya, I remember that papa that was healed, right? I mean, before the meeting started, call out the guy, prayed down, and boom, healed. I remember I went to Burundi. And then, Pastor Azuka was preaching, I was taking pictures, and the lady was limping. She's got 
Very terrible pain. She was going for a healing line. I was holding the camera. So I asked, what's wrong with you? She said she's, she's, she had pains and stuff and all that. I just held her and said, in Jesus' name, pains are gone. Bam, she started jumping and running. Healed. So someone said, okay, why don't you do it here? <laughs> the point is this. Immediately, it, it also happens. Sometimes when other preachers come here, then you see people are a bit more receptive to like, man, this man of God coming from South Africa, man, forget it. He's from South Africa. He's anointed. That expectation creates an atmosphere where people are ready to receive. I, I can tell you this. In my 12 years of ministry, I've seen more miracles outside of our local church than in our local church. And it's just very simple. The scripture talks about honor. There's an honor that naturally, when you are ministering to people that are not, that you see daily, they know your weakness, you know, you are trying to make sure they are not offended, this one, that one. You don't even have time to say you want to move in the spirit. What you are just trying to just make sure everybody shows up in church. All right? You are preaching and wondering why is this chair empty? Who didn't come? Who? You know? So if you really want us to move in the gifts of the spirit, then it has to be mutual faith. What's the mutual faith? There should be expectation from your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. And then, there should be that, yes, come on, let's do it. Like on Wednesday. Okay, fine, let's come together. Let's see the gifts of the Spirit manifested. Not because we just want to come and test whether it's real. But listen, God, we just need to do stuff in our life. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? All right. Okay, so, but Paul talks about doing everything decently and in order. So the gifts of the Spirit have to be Interpreted decently and in order. Now, I just want to say this, right? I just want to say this. When you also pray in the Holy Spirit, ask God for the interpretation. If you pray a lot in the Spirit, if you, if you pause long enough, you begin to pray words in English. That words in English is the interpretation of the tongues you just spoke. But you need to also spend time. Or a robot taught that very strongly. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's read first. Let me give you the difference between prophecy and tongues. And then we just read... 1 Corinthians 14, and then we can wrap up. Have you learned something today? Was it too fast? Was it okay? Who says it's too fast? Lizzie, I know it's you. <laughs> was it too fast? Was it okay? Too fast? Okay, if it was too fast, just wave your hands. Let me see. Are you? Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry about that. And I was thinking I was very slow. Okay. So... So, yeah, so is there anyone that, that maybe I didn't spend time enough on? Which of them? Prophecy? Was prophecy okay? Wait, I just want to be sure. I mean, was prophecy okay? Okay. Tongues? No? Interpretation of tongues? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, this is my promise to you. We're going to have a full maybe four Sunday session to just teach on tongues, okay? So this one is, is just, uh, yeah. What? This is Rehaza. <laughs> ah, my preparation for how many days, Rehaza? Who said that? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? I need to look for another church. This notebook is Rehaza. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do, we'll, we'll, we'll spend, um, okay, so maybe next month, all right, maybe in July, we spend like four Sundays and just deal with the issue of tongues, okay? So, because I know that that's where the main issue is, tongues and interpretation of tongues. So, we'll spend time to just deal with tongues for eight, for four sessions. Is that fine? Okay, so let's read First Corinthians. 
Let me go and prepare since this one is Riaza. Let me go and. First Corinthians 14. Okay, so we'll do tongues and spend some time teaching on tongues. So I'm sure we'll, we'll take it slow then. First Corinthians 14. We're reading, we're reading 30 verses. Okay? So this is Paul's theology on tongues. So I'm just going to read. I will mention things. I'll read. I'll mention things. When we get to the end of the chapter, we have closed. First Corinthians 14, verse 1. We're reading 40 chapters. 40 verses. Okay. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Did you see that? Desire spiritual gifts. Let there be hunger in your heart for that. But what should you pursue? Please get that right. It didn't say pursue spiritual gifts. What should you pursue? But you should desire what? You know the reason why? Without love, the spiritual gifts will be manipulative. Are you following what I'm saying? So I don't want to prophesy over you because I want to show you that I can prophesy. Rather, it is out of what? The love of God. So we pursue love and we do what? Desire spiritual gift. Okay. But especially that you may prophesy. This is what we're going to do on Wednesday. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So, uh, on Wednesday, we're going to read this again, but prophecy should come in these three ways. Either you are edifying a brother, you are speaking comfort to a brother, or you are just exalting them. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So, for instance, you're praying for a brother, and you just sense in your heart to just say to the brother, it is well. That's prophecy. That's prophecy. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's read on. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So public speaking of tongues have to do with edification. It has to be interpreted so people will be edified. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you all, you, unless you utter by tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Okay, now let's go to verse, okay, 10. There are, there are it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, I do not know the meaning of the language. I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so... Since you are zealous of spiritual gift, let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speak in a tongue pray that he may interpret. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I'll pray with my spirit, and I'll also pray with understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place on, of the uninformed say amen as you're giving of thanks since he does not understand what you're saying? For you 
indeed give thanks well, but other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues. Now, I'm just going to pause there because of time. When we are doing a session on tongues, we'll finish that chapter. But make sure you, you complete the chapter. Now, summarize what Paul is trying to say. Paul is saying, listen... If we're in a gathering like this and you speak in tongues and I don't understand the meaning, it doesn't edify every one of us. Right? Because I don't know the meaning. You're speaking to God. He says, but if we speak in tongues in a corporate gathering like this, let us pray for interpretation so that we can understand. He says, if not, I'd rather speak five words in English that everybody will understand that 10,000 words in tongues. He says, but when you speak in tongues, you are doing what? Edifying yourself and speaking mysteries to God. Okay, so two things I want to take you for, three things I want you to take from this session today. Number one, learn to spend time in prayers and trust God for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you. And again, when you pray in tongues, Paul tells us there very clearly as an instruction. He says, pray that you might interpret. Whatever tongues you pray, the interpretation is there. And as you pray to the Lord, the Lord will begin to cause words to well up in your spirit and you begin to do what? To begin to walk in them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you for insight and understanding into your words. And I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that our hearts of understanding is enlightened. And we walk in the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.